0: Welcome to episode number 62 of the Dynamite Effect, recapping the highs and lows from AEW Dynamite on TBS. I am your host and humble guide, Keela Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as week 119 of WrestleTopia continues. Happy Thursday morning, afternoon, and evening to you all as another busy week in the worlds of WWE and AEW continues. And last night was AEW Dynamite going down live from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Arena in Baltimore, Maryland. And I got to say that by usual Dynamite standards, this show was just Okay, we had a couple of fun moments on the show, which I'll get to shortly. But on the whole, I thought this was a below par but still solid dynamite as we get ready for double or nothing in a few weeks time from Las Vegas, Nevada. But let's kick things off with an Owen Hart Cup Foundation qualifying match featuring Jeff Hardy versus Bobby Fish with Adam Cole Bay on commentary. And this match was solid for what it was, as Bobby Fish immediately went after the left leg of Jeff Hardy with several dragon screws, including one on the outside. As Hardy went back first to the barricade, as we go picture in picture, we come back, and Bobby Fish is still working over Jeff Hardy. But Hardy makes a pretty good babyface comeback by landing a jawbreaker followed by that basement double leg drop before going up top for the Swanton Bomb. But Bobby Fish meets him at the top. It is an avalanche falcon arrow instead for a very close near fall. And immediately... Bobby Fish locks in a knee bar, the same leg he's been targeting throughout this match with dragon screws, and Hardy grabs the ropes to break the submission hold. And Hardy does respond a short time later with a not so perfect whisper in the wind, followed by a Swanton bomb, to advance to the Owen Hart Foundation tournament, where he will face Darby Allen in the quarterfinals next Wednesday. And that is a dream match that I think a lot of fans are looking forward to. Two charismatic enigmas, the quote JR going at it first time ever in the ring. What a moment! That will be in Long Island, New York. And after the match is over, we've got the Young Bucks confronting Matt and Jeff Hardy for reasons, as Bobby Fish and Colorado look on. So maybe that's planting seeds for a future match down the road. Playing to their history dating back to the Ring of Honor days about five years ago when they had an epic ladder match for the tag team titles one night before the Hardys returned to WWE at WrestleMania 33 in Orlando. Next up. Is the Blackpool Combat Club's Brian Danielson, Willie Uta, and John Moxley versus the Andrade Family Office featuring the team of Angelico, the Blade, and the Butcher? And I thought this was a lovely showcase match once again for the Blackpool Combat Club. Now, granted, the heels tried to get the jump on the crew early on, but it was to no avail as Danielson whooped up on Angelico with strikes and chops in the corner and eventually makes a hot tag to Willie Udo. who takes care of business with a drop kick to helico, but he was unable to drop kick the butcher because the butcher is a goddamn wall that you cannot knock down he was dominated heading into the picture picture commercial break we come back and Willie Uda lands a beautiful German suplex on the butcher makes a hot tag to Moxley the blade is also the legal man and John Moxley beats the blaze ass from pillar to post, throws him against the barricade over the timekeeper's area, just whoops it ass accordingly. Then he sends him straight into the still steps knee first, and he proceeds to hit a cutter out of nowhere on the blade. And Helico is wiped out with the King Kong Larry, and the butcher gets bit in the face by John Moxley. Moxley was on a roll during this hot tag. Eventually things calm down, and Brian Danielson is back in the ring against and helico. And that leads to all out Betlam. As Moxley Puts a Bulldog Choke on the blade. Willie Ute flies in and locks in a guillotine on the butcher. And Brian Danielson kicks and helicos fucking head in before locking in the triangle and arrogantly flexes to get the submission win. So I love when Mox. Yuta and Danielson get in the ring and whoop ass simultaneously. It is everything as William Regal eats it up on commentary. I love this trio, and they are the reason why we need trios titles in AEW very soon. This was a lovely showcase match for the Blackpool Combat Club once again, as Willie Yuta will take an excursion to New Japan very soon for the 2022 Best of the Super Junior Tournament. Good luck to him as he will kick ass and show up and show out repping the BCC. Next up is Wardlow versus a mystery opponent of MJF's choosing. And he teased last week that this opponent is seven feet tall and you can't teach that. And it's none other than William Morrissey representing Impact Wrestling. And I got to say this for the wrestler formerly known as Bitcast W. Morrissey has improved dramatically. I will say he's got to have some undies that match the black pants and the white black combo does not work for me. But in the ring, Dude did a leapfrog, delivered a big boot to Wortlow after Wortlow pretty much dominated him in terms of strength early on. But W Morrissey got things back on track by delivering a big boot to Wortlow and he was playing into the Enzo chance. Doing the Enzo dance, and the fans had a very split reaction to this. One half of the crowd's like, We want Enzo, the other half says, No, we don't. And Morrissey kept egging them on by doing the Enzo dance at ringside when he sent Warlow face first into the ring post. But eventually, Warlow is able to make a pretty good comeback, and he is going to deliver a moonsaw from the top rope to Morrissey. It wasn't perfect, but the visual was everything, and the crowd popped at that spot. So Warlow fires up and he drops Morrissey with one power. Power bomb for the win. It is not easy picking up a seven-foot dude. He needed one power bomb to make the cover for the emphatic victory. And the crowd love this. And MJF and Sean Spears were watching the match backstage. They're angry. And the security guards come out to put Warlow in handcuffs, but Warlow says, uh-uh. We're not doing that tonight. And Wardlow proceeds to beat down the security guards one by one. The more they come, the more they fall. MGF calls for more security to wrangle Wardlow. It does not work as Wardlow picks up one dude and power bombs him on top of the other security guards at ringside. And Wardlow tells MGF, this will never be over until I get my hands on you and I'm free from this damn contract. And the fans are loving this. And MGF says, oh, you want your contract, huh?" So you want me to free you from your contract by having a match against me. We can make that happen. In fact, we'll do it via a contract signing but not in this cesspool of a city of Baltimore. No, 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 no. We're going to go to the most magical place on earth, where I will have two stipulations added to this contract signing, and none other than my hometown of Long Island, New York. So the contract signing is going down next Wednesday from MJF's hometown. Now it should be noted that the last time AEW ran Long Island, MJF was absolutely, positively over as a babyface, despite him feuding with CM Punk, Warlow is extremely popular right now. And I am very curious to see if it carries over into Long Island next Wednesday because MGF was very bold in saying that I'm going to be over like Riley Piper in Portland and Bret Hart in Canada. And sure enough, he was over as hell in his hometown last December. It's been a few months. Will it translate the second time around? Can MJF get nuclear heat from his hometown crowd? Will he be viewed as a god or the devil? Will Warrant Lowe win over this crowd from the jump? Or will he have to work for those cheers by basically putting in the promo performance of his life? We shall find out next Wednesday on Dynamite. Next up is AEW World Champion Hangman Page being interviewed by Tony Schiavone about the AEW World Championship match featuring Page versus CM Punk at Double or Nothing later this month. And Hangman Page notes that it would be easy for him to say how much he loves and respects CM Punk. He could say it's an honor for them to compete against each other for the richest prize in this business at Double or Nothing. It would be an honor to shake his hand when it's all said and done one way or the other, but he's not gonna do any of those things things because I don't really care for CM Punk. There will be no handshake. There will be no great admiration or respect. This would not be a masspertory Bret Hart tribute match. This would be a fight. This would be a battle and I will win. And to the fan that's wearing the CM Punk t-shirt, if he loses, I hope he got a receipt before you burn the damn thing first. And Paige was in a zone He's basically turned heel for this feud and we'll see how it carries over in other cities heading into the pay-per-view in a few weeks. An interesting call, probably the right call knowing how the fans are going to go one way or the other in this situation. But let it be known that Hangman Adam Page has delivered as AEW world champion in the ring from Brian Danielson to Lance Archer to Adam Cole, two times over this guy has delivered big in every big match situation. I expect no different at Double or Nothing. The only issue is the fact that as champion, he is not the centerpiece or star of this show most weeks. And that must change. Point blank period. CM Punk is in a zone right now, having the best run of his career in terms of pure wrestling matches that run the gamut and i expect him to respond accordingly next wednesday on dynamite as he faces off against john silver in singles action and that is dark order adjacent considering hangman page's history with the crew and that could lead to a pretty spicy promo exchange before the night is said and done but for this main event to really pop at double nothing page and punk must be center stage on dynamite They must be driving this story and the main event. They should be treated as headliners from start to finish. The Owen Hart tournament drives television, but your main event should be the core reason why fans are buying this pay-per-view. Every pay-per-view from AEW year to year has exceeded the last. And Punk and Hangman Page need to be at the forefront of this in terms of promos and key segments that is going to build excitement for this match. Of course, the match is going to be great, but the build up is key to make this the most important AEW World Championship match to date and we'll see if AEW pulls it off in 4 weeks time. Next up is a grudge match between Chris Jericho and Santana. And with all due respect to the Jericho Appreciation Society, I'm getting tired of the 5 on 2 beatdowns. It's excessive. In all honesty at this point santana put up a good fight he was on site with chris jericho by jumping him before the match even started jericho regains control grabs the camera to film himself beating up santana but santana turns the tables on jericho flips him the bird and kicks his ass at ringside the match officially gets underway and we got shenanigans courtesy of matt menard and angelo parker And they move the steel steps in a way that allows Jericho to miss a drop kick Santana onto the steps. As we go picture and picture, we come back and Jericho is still working over Santana, but Santana makes a pretty good comeback with the Three Amigos, followed by a frog splash with a very close near fall. Jericho regains control by reversing a fireman's carry into the walls of Jericho. Santana reaches for the ropes to break the hold, and both men trade some gnarly chops back and forth in the ring before Santana hits a reverse cutter on Jericho for a very close near fall. And Santana's trying everything: cannonball in the corner, a lariat, but every time he tries to get the pin fall we get distractions courtesy of Jake Hager, Angelo Parker, Matt Menard, and Daniel Garcia. And Ortiz takes Florida baseball bat away from Parker. He tries to fight off everybody, but he's overwhelmed. And eventually, Jericho is going to deliver a low blow to Santana. Thanks to that distraction from jake Hager, and he hit Santana with the Judas effect for the win. And after the match is over. The JAS completely overwhelms Santana and Ortiz. Jericho beats up both men with the baseball bat. Eddie Kingston was hit with a fireball last week, so he's unable to make the save. And even so, it's still three against five. And the math ain't mathin'. And Santana, Ortiz, and Eddie Kingston need help immediately because they have hardly had a good day against the Jericho Appreciation Society in two months. And that must change very soon, heading into double or nothing. Next up is the varsity blondes griff garrison brian pillman jr and julia hart in the ring and pillman is tired of running from the house of black they've been humbled by this experience when malachi black poisoned julia hart by misting her in the face late last year but he's watching everything being torn apart because of black and company he goes to a quote from the best friend of his late father john Harbaugh, coach of the Baltimore Ravens, a quote that states attack with all the enthusiasm known to mankind. And Pillman has a lot of enthusiasm now to face the house of black. He calls them out. They come out full entrance and all, and they immediately overwhelm the varsity blondes. Julia Hart is in the corner looking on and buddy Matthews tells Julia Hart, come forth, come join us. See these varsity blondes. This is in your future. Your future is with us. So, they encourage Julia Hart to hit Brian Pillman Jr. with a steel chair. And she has the chair high in the air, but she refuses to hit Brian Pillman with it. Malachi Black is furious and he rips off the eye patch. And we don't see the damage done to her eye that has been very apparent for quite some time. And that leads the Death Triangles pack, Ray Phoenix, and Petita Scudo to make the save. And I try to be fair. When it comes to the House of Black, a group I love very much, and they are due television time. But I have a serious issue with Julia Hart selling this goddamn angle for six months when Alex Apohantos, who was not sprayed with the black mist, courtesy of Malachi Black, turned into a vampire monk and back to regular Alex Apohantos before Julia Hart even aligns with the House of Black. What is going on? This is delayed gratification gone wrong. And the fans, prior to Julia Hart almost teasing a turn, they were dry for Brian Pillman's promo. When he said Baltimore, they hyped up, but otherwise they were like, oh, whatever, we don't care what you gotta say. Bring out the House of Black, and even when they were fighting, the crowd was kind of muted until Julia Hart teased the heel turn that has been seemingly 84 years in the making. I feel like they're late from the Titanic. I feel very old right now, waiting for this turn to take place. And AEW had an opportunity last night to hit a slam dunk to say, Oh, we finally did it. And they completely whiffed. And this moment has passed. And I don't know if they can get it back. But as always, we shall see. Thankfully. Despite the non-turn of Julia Harden this night, we get by far the best thing on the show, featuring Ray Phoenix versus Dante Martin in a qualifying match for the Owen Hart Foundation Tournament. This match was great. Ray Phoenix takes flight with a dive on the outside of Dante Martin as we go picture-in-picture. Picture. We come back and Dante responds with a tope suicida to Ray Phoenix on the outside as well. And Ray responds with a springboard Spanish fly. That pops the crowd, and Dante responds with strikes and kicks, and a beautiful crossbody for two. But Ray responds with a pop up Karana for a two count, and from there this match becomes absolutely mesmerizing to watch. And at one point, Ray is going for a Canadian destroyer, and he's using the ropes as leverage for a springboard but Dante keeps fighting out of it until Ray is a pop-up cutter out of nowhere for a very close near fall. So Dante counters a driver into a cradle before landing a thrust kick. He climbs the ropes, but was stopped by Phoenix, who went again for the inverted Spanish fly. But both men flipped over and stood on their goddamn feet in the ring, and these fans went crazy. They gave both men a standing ovation, and they popped for that. And Dante and Ray looked at each other. They said, oh respect they kept going as dante delivers a poison rana to ray phoenix he goes for the double jump moonsault for the finish but ray is able to avoid it and he hits dante with an inverted fire thunder driver for the win and i thought this was a fantastic match and ray phoenix and dante hugged it out in the ring respect there's footage online that ray gave his mask to dante martin That is first-class shit, and I love it. And I wouldn't have been opposed to 10 more minutes of this match. They scratched the surface of what they can do together. This needs to happen again on a dynamite in the opener or main event spot. Give me 20 uninterrupted minutes of these two men going at it and putting on a show, a spectacle of things we have never seen before. Ray Phoenix is one of the most innovative wrestlers on planet Earth today. And Dante Martin is a diamond in the rough that has shined bright over the past year in singles competition when his brother Darius was sidelined due to a serious knee injury. And unfortunately, Darius is out again with another injury. And that's so unfortunate right now because I adore top flight as a tag team But Dante has a world of potential as a single star, and he's only, what, 20, 21 years old. He is going to get better at this. He's going to be even more innovative and creative in the years to come. And his magic as Ray Phoenix on last night's Dynamite was a great indicator of that. This was a joy to watch and I wanted so much more as Ray Phoenix will move on to face Kyle O'Reilly in the quarterfinals of the Owen Hart Foundation Tournament and that is going to be a styles clash but a damn good one when it's all said and done. Other quarterfinal matchups include Adam Bay versus Dax Harwood on the right side of the bracket and Samoa Joe will face the Joker on the left side of the bracket. Who would the Joker be? I do not know, but it should be an interesting matchup whenever it takes place in Dynamite and or Rampage in the weeks leading up to double or nothing. Next up is Sunderosa declaring that she is the very best in the AEW women's division as the AEW women's world champion. And she is going to defend this division to the death because it has the potential to be the best in the world. And speaking of the best, she wants to face the best. She wants to face elite performers in AEW and she calls out number one contender Serena Deeb. Who she has been inspired by over the years. And Serena Deeb agrees that Thunder Rosa and her can help really push the AEW women's division to the forefront. They want to be the standard. They want to be the industry leaders, so to speak. But the only way to do that is to see who is truly the best. Because the best holds the championship. And Serena Deeb notes that she is simply a level above Thunder Rosa and the rest of the AEW women's division. The fans know it. The commentators know it. Deep down, Thunder Rosa knows it. The locker room knows it too. And she's going to prove it by beating Thunder Rosa for the AEW Women's World Championship a double and nothing. And Thunder Rosa's game because she knows that to be the best, you've got to beat the best. And at this moment, she's got the championship on her shoulder. And until she's beaten, she is simply unstoppable as the champ the ace of the AEW Women's Division. Now, contextually speaking, I honestly believe that Thunder Rosa and Serena Deeb are going to have a hell of a match for the AEW Women's World Championship or double or nothing. It depends on match placement and time. They can deliver one of the greatest women's championship matches in this company's history. However, the promos from both ladies were a little bit rough around the edges and the crowd was kind of out of it. And you need some juice from the people to really amp up this feud because on paper and in reality, it would deliver in the ring. But you need that crowd support to push things over the top. And he's was hoping they get more television time to showcase that heading into Double or Nothing on Sunday, May 29th. And now it is time for our main event featuring Mercedes Martinez and Deanna Perazzo for the undisputed Ring of Honor Women's World Championship. And I thought this match was good. But once again, it's very tricky to push Ring of Honor on AEW television because the hardcore fans are locked in into Ring of Honor, New Japan, Impact, AEW, etc. You've got a lot of people watching at home that might not know who Deanna Parats is. They might not be familiar with her run as Ring of Honor Women's Champion. You got to educate them via video packages, the story, the journey of how this match was made. We got a sampling of that via Mercedes Martinez's promo on Rampage just past Friday. But that's not enough eyeballs on this. This needs to be on Dynamite built up over at least a couple of weeks. Build up the importance of this match taking place in Baltimore, Maryland. That's a Ring of Honor stronghold. Hype that up throughout the show. Have promos being built up on TV to make this match feel important. And I felt as if AEW fell short of that, even though you're promoting Ring of Honor under your umbrella. There's got to be a better way to properly showcase Ring of Honor Championship matches. And they've done so via FTR and Samoa Joe defending their titles on AEW TV over the last several weeks. But they already have that built-in recognition amongst his fan base. The experience and the success speaks for itself. But in the case of Diana Purrazzo and Mercedes Martinez, they needed a wee bit more promotional support via Dynamite. Ring of Honor does not have television right now, and they're not doing weekly TV until they lock down a deal with someone, which I completely understand. To make this championship match important, you need to promote it as such. Everybody does not follow Diana Parrazzo in Impact Wrestling. Mercedes Martinez has had a prolific indie career, but her tenure in WWE was a bit mixed in terms of curious booking on NXT. But when you're trying to expand your fan base, it's important for AEW to understand that everybody that watches your show does not follow ring of honor or impact wrestling on the regular. And if they did a road to on YouTube, that's fine, but that needs to be on dynamite to fully educate the audience, on why these talented ladies are worthy of the main event spot. And the body of the match was good, but the heat was lacking. Deanna and Mercedes grappled in the beginning of this match. The crowd somewhat popped for the power spots at the commercial break when Mercedes... Drop Parazzo with the spear on the apron. They traded forearms for a bit in the center of the ring until Martinez hit a clothesline, a back suplex, and a corner boot for a two-count. Parazzo came back with a moonsault press for two. Mercedes avoids a power drive attempt, and she hits a running knee, followed by a fisherman's buster for a near fall. Parazzo responds and an a suplex for another close near fall, and from there, they trade cradles back and forth until both ladies lay each other out with dual clotheslines. But Mercedes responds with a Samoan driver and she curb stomps Diana before locking in the Romero special and applying the dragon sleeper on Diana Perazzo for the submission win. And Mercedes Martinez is now the undisputed Ring of Honor Women's World Champion. She's got both belts, a great way to end the show in terms of. A big win for Mercedes. I'm happy for her. And hopefully she could be a great anchor for the Ring of Honor Women's Division moving forward whenever they do get television once again. But I just felt as if the heat in this match was lacking. And that's due to AEW not doing enough to promote this match weeks in advance. If you knew you were going to be in Baltimore, Maryland for this show, push that shit. On your TV, not just Rampage, push it on Dynamite and give people a reason to care emotionally. That was the missing ingredient. The emotional reaction, the push and pull. If you're a diehard fan, you cared. If not, not so much. And that needs to change when you promote Ring of Honor championship matches moving forward on Dynamite and on Rampage, or better yet, pay-per-view moving forward. And with that, this wraps up a pretty Decent episode of Dynamite, probably on the weaker end of Dynamites in terms of in-ring action and promos that really didn't land, with the exception of Hangman Page healing on CM Punk to great effect. If it was not for the Blackpool Combat Club, Warlow's greatness, and Ray Phoenix and Dante Martin putting on a show, this might have been one of the driest Dynamites to date. And they cannot afford any more of those heading into the Owen Hart Foundation Tournament starting next week on Dynamite, which is going to be a great way to fill time effectively heading into Double or Nothing in a few weeks. Time on pay per view, and on that note, this wraps up episode number 62 of the Dynamite Effect recapping the highs and lows from a w dynamite on tbs i hope you enjoyed it as always you can follow me on social media at x on twitter and on instagram on There they can find me tweeting and gramming about these podcast shows that drop in the semi-daily recapping monday night raw nxt 2.0 a w dynamite friday night smackdown on fox and a w rampage on tnt you know what to do so receptopia and follow me on apple podcasts amazon music audible google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, I Radio, Stitcher Radio tune in plus amazon alexa and spotify i'll be back saturday morning with episode number 34 of the smackdown wind down slash aw rampage late night rager until then enjoy your thursday and your friday stay safe out there and don't forget to wash those hands see you later boys and girls take care